This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift our hands. Come on. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Oh, we worship and bless you today, oh God. With you, all things are possible. God, you said that to those who believe that nothing will be impossible to them also. Father, our faith is in you, oh God. You are the mighty God, the creator, the redeemer, the glory, the lifter of our head. We thank you this morning, O God, as we come to you in worship, as we come to you with our petition, O God, that, Father, we believe in the mightiness of your power, O God, in the greatness of your grace. We believe, O God, you are disposed to show favors, to answer prayers, to send forth blessings, to bring salvation, O God, into our lives, into our families, into our city, and into the nations of the world. As we lift up our voice in faith to you, O God, Father, we pray for those, oh God, who have been hit with the hurricanes there. Father, in Puerto Rico and and all in the Caribbean area, oh God, every island nation, we pray for them for their safety. We pray for a quick restoration of life to normal again, oh God. Father, I thank you. You provide every need. You deliver them from destruction. Father, in Mexico, oh, Father, where the earthquake has been, Lord, comfort those people. Comfort them. Strengthen them, oh, God. We believe you for deliverance from death. Those who are trapped in the rubble, that you will bring deliverance to them. (coughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you're restoring normalcy in Florida and Houston and all the areas affected by the hurricanes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, we pray for this nation. We pray for the outpouring of your Spirit upon our nation, O God. Father, it does not lie in the wisdom of man to heal our nation, but, Father, your Spirit, your grace, your power is more than enough. Right now, we humble ourselves and we ask you, O God, to pour out your Spirit upon our nation, to bring healing and wholeness, O God, to our nation from the north, the south, the east, and the west, O God. O Father, return and restore this nation to righteousness, O God. Thank You, Father. Father, I pray for Your church, not just Passion Church, but Your body, O God, in America. I pray, O God, that You would, uh, Father, strengthen the body of Christ. Father, with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, we would come to understand who we are, what we're called to do, who indwells us. Father, Your mighty power and grace, O God, that is at our disposal, may we rise up and shake off, O God, all the doubts and fears and rise up in faith, O God, and go forth into our world, O God, and declare that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. Just stay in the atmosphere of worship. I want to I read something here. <clears throat> this is God's purpose, God's desire for us, Passion Church, as we gather together. Now listen to this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is there is freedom, liberty. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God's desire for us is that we be transformed. We don't come to feel good. We don't come just to have a good service. We don't come to hear good preaching or teaching. We come into His presence. And as we worship Him, as we behold Him, we are transformed into His likeness that we might do the works He's called us to do. I don't want to just have a good Sunday meeting and then go the rest of the week and I'm going through my business. I want God to do something in me so that it's impossible for me to hide it. It's impossible for me to disguise it. It's impossible for me to go day to day to day without someone seeing the glory of God that is dwelling in my life. You feel that way too? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. You alone are the builder of the church. Not a man, not a structure, but you alone, Holy Spirit, can transform us. You alone can empower us. You alone, oh God, can envision us so that our hearts are burning with the fire of God within us. So that there is a hope and a vision that is bright and glorious shining in us. Not just this morning, but all through the week, oh God. Holy Spirit, we look to You. We look to You. Oh, we just look to You, oh God. We look to You. We bless You. May every heart be open. May every mind be open to You. Holy Spirit. Oh, we just wait in Your presence. We bless You. We honor You. We praise You, Lord. We praise You, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. Do not listen to the doubters and the naysayers, but rather listen to the voice of the Spirit of God. For all the men in their wisdom cannot plumb the depths of the mind of God, but you have the mind of Christ. But you must listen to that still small voice, the leading of my Spirit. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Be sensitive to the promptings of my Spirit, and I will use you to touch lives. You will see miracles in the marketplace. You will see lives changed. You will see the glory of God. But do not lean to your own understanding, for it is limited. But I am the God without limitation. And if you will trust in me and follow closely after me, I will take the limitations off of your life. 
Many of you are praying for miracles. You're believing for miracles. You're longing to see God work in your life, in your family. But I say to you, the key is, listen to the Spirit of God. Follow the promptings of the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. Step out. Step out in faith. Dare to believe. You will find my hand and my power will hold you up. I will bear you up and you will see the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I feel like God's thrown down the gauntlet to us. How will we respond? That's the key, isn't it? Well, I believe you'll respond just like He encouraged you to do. Step out. You know, here's the thing. We're people of the Word, absolutely. But we're also people of the Spirit. Are you listening? And there needs to be a balance between the two in our lives. Because, see, God wants you to experientially have what you've read in here. And that takes the Holy Spirit. You know, I've said many times, you know, my mom was a good cook. I remember when I went off to college, I said, Mom, send me some of your recipes, you know. She says, well, I don't have any I'm written down. All gone. Well, tell me how you do it. Well, you take a you take a pinch of this, and then you take about a half a cup of this, and then you take a little smidgen of that. And I'm like, what's a smidgen? You know, sometimes we want you know we want God to spell it all out. I mean, man, just get get it down to the metric system here, God. I mean, right? You know, but there are times when we just sense that prompting of the Holy Spirit to go speak to that person to pray for someone, to call someone. Maybe a name comes or a face comes up as you're in prayer. You know, that's your opportunity to cooperate with God and step out in faith and see God work miracles. He longs to. He wants to. He's just waiting on you and I. And you, you know, sometimes when we do that, it can be a little scary to this thing right up here. His brain says, wait a minute. That's not the way things are done. But the Holy Spirit says, it's the way I cook. This is the way I cook. This is the way the recipe works. You know, I'm just going to give you just a a little smidgen of a leading there. A little pinch of prompting over here. But boy, when you step out, all of a sudden that smidgen opens up to a giant tidal wave of God's power and glory. Listen, Passion Church. I'm not interested in a bless me club. I don't think you are either. I tell you, I I, I desire to see God do a work in us, but do a work through us too. Do a work through us. Listen, if we will just go out and follow the prompting that the Spirit of God has given us this morning, you know what? In 30 days' time, you won't be able to get everybody in here. 
People are longing to know a risen Savior, but they have to know Him through us. My message this morning, I'm talking about a handicapped Christ. How often do we present a handicapped Christ to the world? He can't see, he can't walk, he can't heal, he can't hear. Because see, we are him in the earth. Listen, let's stir ourselves up. Let's dare to believe God. You say, what if I fail? I tell you what, God won't let you fail. He won't let you fail. You know, here's the thing. Let me just share this with you, okay? I know this is not planned, but this is okay. If you want to make an advancement in God, every advancement that I've ever made, it, it takes two things. First of all, it takes faith, and it takes death. It does. You know, there's three parts of the soul that, that always hinder us from, that can hinder us from the miracles. Three parts of the soul. I call it three parts of the soul. It's I want, I think, I feel. You know what gets in the way of the miracle sometimes? What I want. Or what I think. Or how I feel. See, that's where the death comes in. The next time that prompting comes, you know what? What I think is going to rise up. How I feel is going to rise up. And you can be sure what I want is going to be there talking to me. But if we can die to that and step out in faith, you know what you'll make? Progress. Progress in your life. Progress in your spiritual growth. Progress in the way that God uses you. Amen. Praise God. Well, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Welcome to Passion Church. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. But I'm glad that the Spirit of the living God is here. Listen, church, we only have one person to please. Let me just set you free here. You got one person to please, okay? It's not your husband. It's not your wife. See, you're already set free there, aren't you? You know, it's not your pastor. It's not anybody. You know, you've got one person to please. It's Him. That's who we're to please. I don't have to please anybody else. I'm not trying to be a troublemaker or stir up anything, but that's who I've got to. You start trying to please everybody, you're going to please nobody. I want to please Him. That's, that's our, if we take that, that's my goal. I want to please Him. Because I know this, if I put Him first and I'm going to please Him, you know what? I'm going to walk in love towards you. Amen? And you know what? When we disagree, it won't become disagreeable. Boy, that's a novelty, isn't it? See, our culture doesn't know anything about that. They're like, wait a minute. You know, because if we start, you know, we sit down and we start talking about every in and out of our life and what we believe and what we think and what our opinions are and all that, you know we're going to have some stuff we don't agree on. Why? Because if we, we did, one of us is redundant. God made us as individuals, didn't He? 
And you know what? There's unity in diversity, just like our body. And you know, I'm so glad I look across this auditorium, and you know what? I see diversity. We're not all alike. We're not all the same race, age, background, education. But you know what? doesn't matter because we're at the, the leveling ground, which is what? In Christ. You're my brothers and sisters. And we're out to please Him. We're out to follow Him. Amen. Listen, Jesus is coming back. I know we don't hear that, that very often, but you know what? The Scriptures still say, lift up your hands when you start seeing all these things happening. The hurricanes, the, the earthquakes, all the stuff happening in the world, the terrorism, the fear. Remember Jesus said that one of the signs that His returning is near, that men's hearts would fail for the fear of things coming on the earth. So I'm telling you, Jesus is coming again. He's coming again, church. He's coming again. The Bible says that we need to stir one another up from time to time and remind one another that He's coming again. I don't want to be, be caught, you know, when the Lord's coming and I'm taking my ease in Zion. You know what I mean by that? I want to be diligent. I want to be busy. Whatever God's called me to do, whatever He's called you to do, but I want to be busy about the Father's business. And if He doesn't come while I'm still alive, I still know this, we'll all stand before Him. Isn't that right? In that house that you're in love with, where will it be? That car you just had to have, where will it be? You know? Nothing wrong with those things, you know? Not at all. But we need to keep them in perspective, don't we? Amen. Well... Glad you're here this morning. I want to welcome you, especially if you're worshiping the first time with us. Welcome to Passion Church. I'm Pastor Norris. I'm a lead pastor here. So glad that you're here today. You know, we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That He has a plan and a purpose for us collectively and individually. And it's a good plan. And it's a plan to see God work not only in your life, but to work through your life. I'm going to tell you, that's where, the, that's where the real blessing is. I mean, it's wonderful to be blessed by God. I, I love it. You know, all the blessings. But I'm telling you, it's a whole nother level when God will use an imperfect vessel like me or like you and someone else gets blessed. I'm telling you, once you get on that, I'm telling you, it's addictive. Oh, you say, God, whoo, I love this miracle stuff. I love this healing stuff. I love the way you do things. You're a great God. I want to tell you what. You have an encounter of the God kind, you'll never be the same. Encounter of the God kind. Amen. Well, we're going to give to God right now. Amen. I want to remind you that, you know, if you would like to, uh, uh, along with your regular tithes of giving. Uh, we're doing hurricane relief. If you want to give toward those, uh, really, actually, we're talking about disaster relief is what is up there now because we've gone from hurricanes to earthquakes and, you know, no pestilence in sight yet. But we're, 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 we're going to be giving to help out. And every penny that you give toward disaster relief, if you put that on there, every penny will go to that. Uh, we're working in cooperation with some different agencies. Samaritan's Purse is one of them. 
And uh, so your money's going to be wisely used and it's going to be distributed to them. Also, let me remind you, uh, pick up one of these if you haven't already. A little flyer outside is Passion for Missions. And it tells about the different uh, missions uh, works that your giving is supporting on a daily basis. Lives that are being changed around the globe because of your prayers and your faithful giving. And I want to tell you something. What an investment. Isn't that something? Isn't it amazing that we can take something as, as natural as money, a dollar bill. We can give it to God as an investment, and He can make an eternal difference in somebody's life. Wow. Say that backwards. Wow. <laughs> it really is. And then on, not only that, I mean, that would be enough, wouldn't it? If, God, if that's all that God said that He would do with our giving, that would be enough, wasn't it? I mean, you know, I believe this. One of these days, you know, we're going to all be up there in glory, and you're going to run across somebody that says, you know what, you helped, to, you prayed for, for this missionary, or you gave money in the Passion Church to help support, and I, I was saved because of that. I'm here, you know. And, you know, when you look back and you think about, if you can remember what a $20 bill was or you even care, you can think, boy, oh boy, am I glad that I didn't think that that old $20 bill was worth so much. But if it, not only that, but God says this. He said, when you give, He has promised this. He said, it's going to be given back to you. Somebody says, we aren't to give to get. Well, I agree, but it doesn't t- change the fact of what God said. Isn't that right? I'm, you know, I'm glad that my sins are forgiven. How about you? But I'm also glad I'm going to heaven. It's kind of a package deal, you know. I mean, it wouldn't do me much good if, you know, if my sins were forgiven, but I still end up in hell. I mean, you know, uh, is it greedy because I want to go to heaven? I mean, I want to go to heaven, don't you? And I want my giving to make a difference in the lives of other people. That's the number one thing. Absolutely. And God's going to use that and is using that. But you know what? It's a package thing. God said, I didn't make it up. God said it. He said, when you do that, he said, when you invest in my work and in my kingdom, he said, I'm going to invest in yours by causing what? It to be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I want you to be running over Christians. Running over with love, running over with faith, running over with health, running over with peace, and running over with prosperity. A running over Christian. I like that. Amen? Well, if you're, you're giving this morning, you hold your offering there. Father, thank you for the opportunity to invest in eternity. To take, Lord, this natural money that we've earned by the sweat of our brow, but we're taking a portion now and we're investing it back into the kingdom of God. We're investing it here in Montgomery. We're investing it in Thailand, in the Philippines, in Africa. We're investing in the people whose lives are ravaged by disasters. We're investing in lives and in eternity. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, I thank you for the faithfulness of your people at Passion. And Lord, I declare, because your word says it, I declare that it is given back to them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in Jesus' name.
faces out there in the back and in the middle and in the front that's good well we've been talking about this month building our church we're going to continue talking about finding my fit which was what we started talking about last week so if you have your Bibles there and you want to turn to Exodus chapter 17 we're going to start there Finding my fit. You know, every one of us have a place that's important. Now, if we understand that, and we will truly get that understanding reality in our heart, then, you know, 
it's not a decision that I have to make every week. I get it settled in my heart. I get it settled that God has a purpose, has a call, has a place for me. And when I get that down in my spirit, then there's, there's no other decision to be made. You know, I made a decision 41 years ago. I didn't have to make it again. It's just here we go. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We, got, we have to find our place, and then we move in. We find our fit. Now, here in Exodus 17, we're going to begin reading in verse 10. We read here of Israel's battle with the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites, they were the descendants of Esau. Now, you know, Esau was the one who sold his birthright to satisfy his fleshly appetites. And see, we don't want, and I don't want you, and I don't want myself to be in the same spiritual condition as Esau was when I sell my spiritual birthright as a part of the, the body of Christ because of my fleshly appetites. I want, I think... I feel. Those are the things that holds us back. Because usually what I want is not what God wants. What I think is not what God thinks. And how I feel really is irrelevant. Because when, do, when does my feelings or your feelings change what God has said? Change the character of God? Change the purpose of God one bit? God's just as powerful when I'm having a quote-unquote feeling like I'm blue today as when I'm on top of the world. That doesn't change God at all. So they're going up against these Amalekites, the descendants of Esau. And in this battle, we're going to see several things. Let's, let's begin reading there at verse 10. It says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now I want you to notice some things, several things working together here to bring about victory. First, Joshua was down there leading the army. He was actually down there with sword in hand engaging the enemy, wasn't he? But you know that that alone didn't ensure their victory? That was necessary, wasn't it? Somebody had to get down there in the trenches and actually do the fighting. But by itself, that wasn't enough. Second, there was Moses who represented the anointing of God, and he was up there, and he, when he lifted his hands, it says right here, the anointing flowed, and what? Joshua and the people of God were what? Winning. But when he grew tired, I mean, you know, you try holding up your hands all day. Don't sound like much, does it? But, I mean, an hour or two, you're like, so his hands would go down. When his hands went down, guess what? The enemy began to Wait a minute. So it was really Moses was the most important one. Well, you know, as you go on and read, it says when they grew weird, there was Aaron and her. So if Aaron and her hadn't been there to hold up Moses' arm, so Aaron and her were the most important ones. So who's the most important in this battle? 
Well, God is, but when we're talking about the, the human players, who was the most important? There you go. All of them. You take away any one of these, and Israel is defeated. If Joshua don't, and the army don't take up the sword and engage the enemy, they're defeated. If Moses is not up there with his arms up representing the anointing of God, not there, they're defeated. If Aaron and Hur's not there to support uh, that anointing and do what it is, they're defeated. And see, we think sometimes, well, my part's not important because I'm not Joshua or Moses. Well, what could Joshua and Moses have done if Aaron and Hur hadn't been there? One body, many parts, working in harmony, builds the church. That's how it works, church. So this is why we're talking about finding my fit. Everybody has a place. Now, you know, how complicated was it to just hold somebody's hand up? It wasn't that, I mean, I mean, can you imagine in their job description, you know, Aaron and her are going to apply to, you know, to work at a church somewhere? So what's your... What's your qualification? Well, I held Moses' arm up one time while we def- def- the army defeated the enemy. Well, what else can you do? <laughs> That's what I do. They probably wouldn't have been hired in our day and time, would they? I mean, we want somebody, you know, with some, ex- some more experience. We want you to be able to do all this stuff. But what I want you to see is, you know, sometimes our own natural thinking, remember what we said, I want, I feel, I think, our own natural thinking defeats us. Well, you know, I don't have that much to offer. I couldn't do. What, what difference would it matter, you know, what I give or, or what my prayers would do or where I could serve or what my gift is? It, it's, it's nothing compared to this one, that one, or the other one. But see, God's already told us we don't compare ourselves to one another. How do you compare uh, your left eye to your right eye? Which one you want to poke out? How about your right hand and your left hand? Which one you want to cut off? See, he says when we compare ourselves to one another, we've left the road of wisdom for foolishness. See, that's what the world does. The world's all in this big competition thing, and it's all based on ego. But see, when I have died to what I want, to what I think, and to what I feel. It doesn't matter to me if God sends me down with a sword, or if he, he anoints me like Moses to sit on the rock, or if I'm Aaron and her and I hold up one of the arms. It makes no difference. Because I know that it takes every one of us working together for us to have the fullness of the plan and purpose of God for His body here at Passion. Never let the enemy sell you short. I talk about a handicapped Christ. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 12. I mentioned this at the prayer time. A handicapped Christ. Now, the body of Christ, we are the body of Christ. Say that with me. We are the body of Christ. Let's say that one more time. We are the body of Christ. That's right. He's the head, we're the body. You could look at it this way. We are Christ in the earth. Jesus is not going to come down and preach again. Jesus is not going to come down and lay hands on the sick again. Jesus is not going to come down and cast out devils again. 
That's the work of his body, his church, you and I. That's, what, that's our responsibility. That's our work now. We've entered into his work, haven't we? So when we look here at 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to start reading about, oh, we'll start reading about verse 14. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Are you listening? You see, the body of Christ, the church, it's not about the pastor. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> see, a system, a system that's kind of got some biblical basis, but then man's added his structures onto it, has built into the minds of God's people that, you know, if we get that super duper 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 super duper 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 pastor, then we got it. But that's not what he says. He says the body's not made up of one part. I'm one part. One part. But of many, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body, wouldn't that be silly? But how many times does the enemy get us to think that way? Oh, if I could just, if I could pray like Brother Ed, or if I could counsel like this one, or if I could do this one. You listen, stop looking, I mean, appreciate other people's gifts, but you know what you need to do? What, what can you do? What do you have? What has God put in you? Because the Bible, and we'll see this as we look next month, we're going to look at spiritual gifting. God has given every one of us a measure of faith, the gift of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, and divine enablement to make a difference when it's put into motion because it's something that comes from God and not from me and not from you. Whatever we have Paul said, what do you have, spiritually speaking, gifts and enablements and abilities that you did not receive? So don't boast about it. Just get busy doing something with it. He said, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? He said, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged. What has God done? He's arranged. We could say it this way, Passion Church. You are God's arrangement. When we come together like this, you know what we are? We are God's arrangement. You know, as I'm standing here. You know, the people in kid life, people in the nursery, the ushers, the, the hospitality, the greeters, the singers, the musicians, the tech people, the lighting people. I mean, you know, I could go on and on. Every one of those, what you know what they are? They're part of the arrangement. Have you ever seen somebody who really is very creative and is very good at making arrangements, flower arrangements or other things? You know what? They, they use different colors and different textures and different things like that, don't they? And they just have an eye of what works together. And it's so much more beautiful than if you just put, you know, one stick in there. But the stick in an arrangement might add a texture that just makes everything else flow together, doesn't it? Maybe I'm just the stick 
If you look at me by myself, I don't look like much. But when I'm in the arrangement of the body of Christ, when we're all in our place doing what God's called us to do, all of a sudden, everybody's gift and beauty is enhanced. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. Listen, don't ever apologize for who you are, for the gift you have, for what you can do. God gave you that gift. Don't you cheapen it by saying, well, you know, don't do that. It's okay to be humble. But listen, we also need to understand, you know what? I'm worth something. You're worth something. You must be. Jesus paid an awful price for you. You must be valuable to God. So what He's put in you is valuable to God, and it's valuable for the kingdom of God. See, Joshua's sword had a certain degree of ability by itself. But when you added what Moses had and what Aaron and Hur had, all of a sudden it became a greater, mightier weapon together for the victory of God. He has arranged it. He said, if they were all one part, where would the body be? He said, but as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, who's the head of the body? He said, the the head can't even say to a member of the body, I don't need you. Well, God doesn't need anybody. Well, we know what you mean by that, but it also can be misleading. It's true God doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need anything. He's a self-sufficient one. By definition, He's God. We understand that. But the way God has organized and arranged the church in the earth in this time, it says that Christ, the God-man, the head of the church, cannot say of the other members of His body here at Passion, I don't need you. Rather, He does need you. And He does want you. And He wants you to find your fit and to find your place. Otherwise, there's a handicapped Christ in the earth trying to do the work. No ears to hear because we all want to be the mouth. So the body's deaf. No eyes to see because, again, we want to be the hands and heal the sick. So we're blind. No voice to speak. No hands to heal. We're powerless. No legs to go. We're paralyzed. Because, see, you wonder. Now, think about it. Now, let's, let's just back up here a minute. Now, now Jesus Christ is the God-man. He's 100% God and 100% man. You say, how is that? I don't have an idea. I just believe it. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ, as God, is omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent, isn't He? There's nothing impossible. The Bible says that, that God the Father... Through the Word, which is Jesus, created the universe, didn't He? Now, He he created everything that is recorded there in Genesis in six days. Yet, in 2,000 years, God hasn't been able to redeem mankind and get the gospel out to the degree that He wants it to go out. How can that be? How can that be? Because he limits himself to work 
through His body, which is the church. Are you listening? See, that Paul said in one place to the Corinthian church, he said, you and I, he said, we are co-laborers together with God. Now, if Chris invited me over to his house and said, could you help me out with a project I've got there? And I get over there, you know, and I start drinking iced tea and visiting with Connie, and he's out there sweating on the project. And he gets it done, and I, you know, finally I say, man, you're, whoo, man, look what, 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 what Chris and I got done. He'd say, say what? <laughs> you was in there drinking iced tea in the shade, and I was out here sweating it. And see, if we're co-laborers together, that means we're actually doing something. We're using the abilities, the faith, the gifts God's given us. We're engaged, working together with our brothers and sisters, with the anointing that Jesus Christ the head provides. And when that happens, I'm going to tell you something spectacular, something supernatural, something awesome is going to take place. Thank you for those two nods and a grunt. So let's talk about putting it all together. How are we going to put it all together? First Corinthians, look, turn back over to chapter 6 there. Putting it all together. I remember, I don't know, especially when the kids were growing up and all, we'd, we'd get some kind of toy or some kind. Sometimes you get some of that, you ever order some of that furniture online that you have to put, up, put together yourself? You know, they ship it home and you have to put it together. Anybody ever had to do that or? Or set up a, a stereo or do something like that. I remember doing stuff like that. You, you ever got, got it all put together and everything was great, and then you looked over there and you had some leftover parts? Uh-oh. I don't know if it's going to hold that TV or not. I, where did this go? Wait a minute. Well, maybe, maybe some of you guys, you know, back in the day when you could, you were rebuilding uh, your car engine or your transmission or something. You got it all put together and you said, wait a minute. What are these two little rings here? What the? And you know, when you see that happen, you know all of a sudden, mm, you know, that one little part might cause the whole thing to break down or not work, even though it's a little part. Isn't that true? And I think sometimes in the body of Christ, in, you know, and in the, the local expression of the body of Christ, that we have some leftover parts. The parts that haven't found their fit. They haven't connected yet. They haven't engaged yet. And that's why maybe, you know, churches struggle in some areas. You know, we're, we're, we're always, you know, the eyes trying to make up the hands difference. That, that's not going to work too good. Are the ears going to make up the foot's difference? That's not going to work too good, is it? Why is it, you know, we, we seem to always be struggling. We, you know, we, we, we don't have people over here, or we need people over there, or we need people to do this, or we need to pe- Somewhere there's some leftover parts. And, you know, we need to understand that, that even though we may think that our part is small, it might be the very thing that's holding us back. You know, I could look at those two little parts that I left out of the, that engine or that transmission or a couple of the, uh, screws I left out of something I put together, you know. And when the, when the pressure gets on and, the, and, the, and you begin to use that thing, all of a sudden 
that's when you find out how important that little missing part was. See, if it's just sitting there, it's all looking pretty. But when you push the on button, (laughs) nothing happens. You're like, something's wrong here. You know? 1 Corinthians. Awful quiet out there. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. says, but the one who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. We are Christ's body. Every part has a unique operation. You have something that God wants to use you that you will be better at than somebody else. Because if he's anointed you to be the ear and I'm the hand and I'm trying to take up the slack, the hand with, as the ear, it's just not going to work. My heart might be in the right place. I might really be sincere. But you know what? It don't work. Now, I'm speaking hypothetically. Don't really do this. But if you tried putting gas in the radiator and water in the gas tank of your car, now, you've got all the right elements there. They're just all in the wrong place. Your car is not going to run, is it? You can sit in it and look pretty for a while. But even after a while, if it don't run, the battery will run down. Then you can't run that nice stereo and all that Bluetooth stuff you got on. It won't work. It's each of us in our place doing what we're called to do. The fingers, the toes, the hands, the ears, the eyes, the mouth, the chin, the joints, the ligaments, the legs. Every part together. Oh, what a beautiful thing. And what an awesome thing God has at His disposal. Mm. Well, I'm preaching myself happy even if I'm... (laughs) You know, uh, in the the vehicle that we own now, uh, it's got something called a a Bluetooth. And you know, the the good thing about that is is that you you can sync up, synchronize, you know, your phone or multiple phones and other devices... You know, with that automobile, with the onboard computer and everything, so that I can be going down the road and I don't have to, I don't have to dial, I don't have to do anything. You know, I can just speak the word. Ta-da! Call so-and-so. Calling so-and-so. But you know, here's the thing. Uh, I recently got a new phone, so I had to re-synchronize that phone with my vehicle, because if I didn't, I could go in there and push that same button and say, call so-and-so, and and it's like nothing happens. Why? It's out of sync. See, when to synchronize means to harmonize, and so these two devices, when they're in sync, you know what they do? They're communicating with one another. Information is exchanged and transferred so that together I've got something that's much better than by myself. You ever gone down the road and seen somebody on the phone or texting? Scary. Don't do that. I know you. I know you. You're not the one that's going to happen to, but don't do that. You know? But when that thing, it's, so now all of a sudden it's exchanging 
information and, you know, it's going back and forth. And that's the way God's grace is with the proper connection. When, I, when each part of his body is synchronized or synced, we're synced with one another, the hand, the foot, the arm, the eye, every part is synced together. There is a divine flow of God's grace and anointing that is amplified. And what you couldn't do, what I couldn't do by myself, all of a sudden together, we see God doing it. And you know what the world looks at? They go, because see, they look at me, they look at you, because this is the way the world works. Well, how in the world can they be doing that? How in the world can that be happening there? Well, look at those people. Come on, you know. What did they say about the apostles when they, you know, uh, on the day of Pentecost? Man, 3,000 people saved. They're out there speaking in tongues and looking like a bunch of crazy drunk people. Then they're healing people, you know, that were lame from birth. And they call them up before, you know, the leaders of the nation. And they say, you know, kind of look down their nose at them. What's that I smell? Oh, it's fish. These are fishermen. And if that wasn't bad enough, there's, there's a revenue man among them. An IRS man, we'd say, tax gatherer. What a motley looking crew. One wannabe, you know, a patriot. <laughs> what a motley crew. That's, I'm talking about from the natural. That's what, but it says they took note, what? That they had been with Jesus. And I would take that a step further. He took note that what? There was unity among them. Now let's look at a couple of examples real quickly here. Glory is always a confirmation of divine order. Let's look in Exodus 40. Exodus 40, Moses' tabernacle. Look here. You know, sometimes we're praying, Oh, God, pour out the glory. God, send the glory. God, we want the glory. God... We need to, you know, and we're, man, we're about to strip a spiritual gear for the glory. But here, let me help you out here. If you do this, you won't have to pray all those prayers. Exodus 40, verse 33. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Verse 34. Then, everybody say, then. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When Moses finished the tabernacle and set every part in its place as God had directed, the glory came. You want the glory at Passion Church? When every part will step up and take his or her place as directed by the Spirit of God, and we've got the hand working, the eye working, the toes working, the joints working, the ear working. When we come together and take our place, then God will be pleased, and the glory of God coming in our midst will be the confirmation. So then you can pray all you want to. You know, that's like, you know, going by the, uh, you know, Krispy Kreme every morning and getting a dozen donuts and praying, God, don't let me get fat. 
pray away. Just pray all you want. You're a faith man or woman, that's right. You go right at it. You do that long enough, you're going to gain weight. I don't care how much you pray. What's going to happen is you're going to have to add fasting along with your prayer. <laughs> then you might lose some weight. <laughs> Fruit. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, we talk about, I know that you say that's so silly, but, you know, we can get so, quote, unquote, we think we're being spiritual and we're being, can I say, stupid. I didn't say we are stupid, but sometimes we've all, I have, I've acted stupid. I'm not stupid, but I've done some things and looking back, thinking that was, wasn't too bright. Fruit is a result of the anointing. Uh, let's, look at, let's look at one more before we turn to that, though. Look in 2 Chronicles. You're, you're familiar with this one, too, I'm sure. 2 Chronicles. The building of the temple, Solomon's temple. 2 Chronicles 5, verse 13. It says, The trumpeters and singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to God. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices in prayer, praise to the Lord, and saying, He is good, and His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Mm. His body coming together. You think... That your part doesn't make a difference. It does. It does. What if half the praisers didn't show up? Everything. Listen, don't think that what you have to offer doesn't make a difference. It does. It will. As a matter of fact, it's making a difference now. And you don't realize it because you know what? You're hurting the body. I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not trying to put condemnation on you, but listen, I have to tell you the truth. Isn't that right? If you come on, up on Sunday and I just decided, you know, I was going on vacation that Sunday. You come up here and say, well, somebody's supposed to be up here next. Who's Isn't that right? But you know what? That doesn't mean my, I'm any more important than you. Your part, if you're not, if you're not engaged in your part, if you haven't found your fit in using your gift, you know what? You're hurting the body too. You just don't realize it. I forget who it was. I, it might have been Teal Osborne. Somebody said this, that, that the church has been so uh, abnormal for so long that we hardly know what normal looks like. Normal is what the Scriptures teach us when every part of the body is coming together and working together in unity and harmony. We're synced, if you will, together. God's grace is flowing through us. That's normal. It's not normal if some parts of the body are missing. That's not normal. We call that, that person handicapped, don't we? If they're missing a limb or an eye. Or they've lost the sense of smell or something. They're handicapped. That's not normal, is it? They're still valuable. They're still loved. But that's not normal. 
Well, the body of Christ. If, you know, if we've got, you know, uh, uh, you know, three parts out of all the parts working, that's not normal. Boy, it's awful quiet in here. Y'all were happier at prayer time. I was talking about how God could do anything. Everybody was shouting. And he can, but you know how he's going to do anything and everything? Through us. Through his body. He's the head. We're the body. You've never seen the head grab a hold of anything. The head don't lay hands on anybody. Does it? And fruit is the result. One last scripture. Then we're going to, we're going to pray here in just a moment. Acts chapter 2. Turn over there. We've looked at two examples from the Old Testament. Now let's look at one from the book of Acts. It says, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here they were, and if you go back and read some of the backstory, you know that they had been there for about 10 days. It was about 120 people. The apostles, the mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, when we, when we were in predominantly Catholic countries in, in South America, and we were ministering to people that were Catholic, you know, by background and by training, you know, brought up that way. You know, like here in the South, everybody's a Baptist. And I never go to church, but they're Baptist. You know, they're Catholic there. It was true. They were, that was the way it was. You could, listen, when we were in Argentina, you know, unless you were Catholic, you couldn't run for office. I mean, that's how Catholic it was. So what we, we always would do when we were trying to minister to people about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we always took them to Acts 2, 1 first before we got to Acts 2 because we showed them that Mary was up there. So Mary was filled with the Spirit and spoken tongue, so they're all for it now. <laughs> well, the Holy Spirit showed us that. What wisdom we had. He showed us that. But notice, he says they were all in one accord. They were, what, in harmony. They were in unison. And they, they've been seeking the Lord. All of a sudden, the power of God fell. Now, when that happened, look down in verse 41. Don't worry, we're almost through here. It says, well, Peter's preaching with them, you know, he says, with many words, verse 40, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to, to their number that day. When you go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, the church in the earth numbered 120. That's all there was in the, on the whole planet, 120 people. That's about the size we are, about 120 people or so in here. Oh, God, I mean, we, gotta, we certainly got to be a mega church to make any difference, right? I mean, we need to have 20,000 like, you know, Brother Osteen does or something. I don't know. God seemed to work out pretty good here with that 120. When, what? They each were together, connected, in harmony. The Spirit of God could come. And immediately they went from 120 to 3,120. 
wouldn't that be a problem? I don't think we could get 3,120 in here next week, Thomas. Sure would be fun trying, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> see, I'm not saying that we'll have 3,120 next week. But what I'm saying is, is you see the dynamics. When you and I find our fit and just step up and say, here, here we go, Lord. I'm going to do it. I don't, I don't think I can. I don't feel that I can. I'm not really sure I want to, but I'm going to do it anyway. I can't tell you how many times I've done that in ministry. I don't feel like it. I don't think I can. And I don't want to. But here we go. And I'm going through the middle of an airport with two kids in diapers and 16 pieces of luggage. Going to South America. What a nut. <laughs> two nuts. <laughs> You were there too. <laughs> I'm just saying. Remember what I said? It takes faith. If you're going to advance, it takes faith and it takes death. To use the gift that you know God's put in you. You know what it's going to take? A step of faith. When you think you can't do it. When you feel you can't do it. And when you don't want to do it. In all three occasions, just do it. That's faith. Faith's not, oh, I, I got a chill down my back. That's faith. No, it's not. Hey, hey, hey. Well, I started to say something. Better not say that. Could just be your hormones. Getting a chill down your back. That's not faith. Faith, what? faith is an act. God said, this is what I've called you to do. This is the gift I've put in you. Okay, we're going to do it. Because, see, here's the thing. God gives us a gift. He gives us a measure of faith. When I step out to do something in faith that I know is beyond me in the natural, that's when God's grace takes over. You don't need His grace if you can do it. You don't need His grace if you can do it. If you're smart enough, wise enough, sharp enough, intelligent enough, you got, I mean, man, you know, whoo, God's lucky to have me on His team. Then you won't need any grace. Remember what, even the Apostle Paul, what did, he, what did God say to him? He said, Paul, when you're feeling weakest, that's when my strength is going to be perfected. Let me give you a couple of action points and we're going to pray. Listen, Passion Church, take time to find your place. What, what is it that God's gifted you? What has He put in you? Remember, I was using an example about, you know, my mom's with her recipes, you know, and how the Holy Spirit speaks to us and leads us. Man, a lot of times, wouldn't we just love it if, you know, I was just driving by that, you know, where they got those neon, you know, those electronic billboards up, and I was just riding on there, and God just put up there, Nars, do this. Ta-da! Man, I got it. Wouldn't that be great? Or Chris, do this, or... You know, that'd be great. You know, God doesn't do it that way. You know what? We have to pray. We have to wait and listen. That means this might take some effort. Sorry about that. I know we're, 
We, we live in the age of where we, we so amplify grace that we think no effort's needed anymore. Well, there's no effort to be saved, that's for sure. But after we come to the Lord, He calls us to work. So, here's the thing. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? When you start thinking about what's my place, what's, the, what's one of the first things that begins to come up? What's in your heart? Then, you know what? Just step out in faith and begin to do it. You say, what, well, what if I'm wrong? What if you're right? You know, here's the thing. Just like your automobile in the spiritual realm, there is a reverse. I've been in, a, in, a, in new cities and new areas. I've driven in a number of different countries. And sometimes, you know, especially if I'm in a new country, I might make a wrong turn. But you know what? I don't sit down on the side of the road and say, well, that's it. My vacation's over, dog. I'm lost. Man, I was so looking forward to this vacation, but now. No, you know what I do? I just, if I need to, I just put it in reverse and back it up a little bit and then go make the right turn. That's all we're talking about. If you, if you find that you made a wrong turn, just back up. You know, there's no progress without, sometimes, you know, you turn down a, a one-way street the wrong way. Or you turn down a cul-de-sac sometimes. But you know what? You're making progress. It's easy for the guy sitting in the, you know, with his car in the garage to criticize your driving. <laughs> Let him get behind the wheel a while. Try some of it. At least you're out there making progress. You're getting somewhere. And then finally, second thing, get involved somewhere if you're not already in Passion Church. It's not forever, guys. When you volunteer, it, it, won't, it won't be forever. It's not forever. We are better off when you find your fit. All of us are better off when each of us finds our fit. Would you bow your heads just a moment? Father, right now, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest upon us individually here at Passion Church that we may know what is the hope of your calling for our lives individually and corporately working together that we may understand what is the great and exceeding working of your power when each part fitted together, working in harmony. What a great day that will be. What a great testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great opportunity we have to do that here at Passion Church. God, I pray this over myself, over all of us, over our brothers and sisters who, who are not here today but are a part of this work. I pray this, oh God. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let me make a couple of announcements, then we're going to let you go. Single saved and set apart, singles meeting. 
ministries meeting here today from 3.30 to 5.30 at the AUM campus right here in Goodwin Hall upstairs in room 204. And I'm told if you're unmarried, you're welcome. You can bring your friends, your kids, your dates, but not your pets. Okay, I added that. We're going to be doing what I really what I call, it's, it's kind of like a, a mini prayer conference that we're going to be doing out at Wellsprings. We're going to have three sessions that we're, we're, we're going to be teaching on uh, different aspects of prayer. And sandwiched in between each of those three teachings is going to be three times of putting into action what we heard by praying. Now, here is one gift that we all have, the gift to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. Matthew 6. He said, when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. He said, when the pastor prays, he said, when you pray. So this is going to be on October the 21st. You can find a flyer out there, information, sign up out there. It's going to be at Wellsprings. Uh, with uh, Pastor Ed and Miss Bunny. They're letting us use their beautiful facility out there. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a powerful time. We're going to have three uh, hour sessions uh, of teaching on prayer and interspersed with three hours of praying. October 21st, from 9 until 3 is going to be the time. We're going to start right at 9. We're going to end right at 3. Uh, you know, unless God moves in an unusual way. And if He does, you're not going to care anyway. Isn't that right? When God's moving, you know what? I found out when God's moving, the body is refreshed. Amen. And when He's not, it can only endure so much. <laughs> so be, be sure, get one of those. Pick up one of those. Uh, I don't have it with me, but there's a flyer about our missions, the missions that we, we're supporting. There's news about them and what they're doing each uh, and every day. Praise God. Well, stand up on your feet. Passion Church. We are not the first local expression of the body of Christ to hear this type of message. It's been preached for 2,000 years at least, hasn't it? But you know what? We have a rare opportunity to be one of those who receive it. And do something with it. Next month, I'm going to be talking about spiritual gifts. We're going to be talking about them. I, I want the spiritual gifts that are so abundantly deposited in this body of believers to, to come to the forefront, to be activated, to be released. Because when that happens, the body will be built up and strengthened. And you know what? We will be fruitful in the marketplace too. We have an opportunity. What will we do? The decision is mine. The decision is yours. I can't decide for you. You can't decide for me. We can encourage one another. But each of us has to make that decision. And I implore you, consider it seriously. And I encourage you to do it. When you step out in faith, wow. God is amazing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When you step out in faith, the adventure begins. 
John Lake had a book about his life. It's called Adventures in God. Boy, I love that title. And really, you know, your testimony is your adventure that is happening. Each of us have an adventure in God. Things that God's doing. Things that God's working in our lives. And we bring all of that together. Wow. You guys are amazing. Some of you know that. Some of you are still not sure. But let me tell you, you're all amazing. You're amazing. And God's amazing grace is working in you. Father, as they go this week, Father, may this message sink into our spirits deep, deep, deep. God, as they're praying, as they're seeking you, as they're listening, I thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will direct, will clarify, and will speak to each one of us. Thank you, Father. Bless the people as they go now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.